Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. The Friday, another podcast, and this week's podcast is a good one. We're doing another history-related podcast. We're going to be talking to Rich Garano from MP of New York. We got him a few weeks ago, went through, had to do a little bit of editing on there, but it's a good podcast with a lot of cool information, just some detailed stuff about uh, the Inch Pincher 3 and some other things like that that uh, you, you may appreciate. I know that uh, I for sure appreciated hearing a lot of the stories that he had to share with me, so... But let's look at our calendar real quick. Coming up on the 12th of March is going to be drag day. Uh, there's a possibility I might be out there. Uh, I'd like to see if I could, you know, get my car out there at this time. The drag bug and check it out. I was on the phone with uh, Volkstroke earlier. David Ruiz talked about uh, maybe me heading out there, <clears throat> showing up Saturday and kind of getting the ride dialed in for the drag day. So we'll see if that happens. Also going to be the first weekend in uh, April is going to be the last Bugarama in Phoenix. So if you haven't been, you should go. My understanding is it won't be another bug in after this one. So at least in Phoenix anyway, and still have not heard anything back with respect to the classic as far as any kind of finalizing on that. But there's also going to be Kelly Park coming up on the 16th of April, which is always a great show, a great weekend up there in <clears throat> San Jose, California. So if you guys are looking to get into some stuff, it's really starting to happen and fall together for this year. So I'm looking forward to it, to getting out there and uh, seeing all these people and checking out the shows and talk to a bunch of listeners about stuff that's going on. Now, if you guys got any subjects you want me to cover, any things you want me to track down, feel free to shoot me an email at bill at let's talk dubs or hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. You guys can shoot me a DM uh, or a private message and uh, we'll get We'll get to it for sure. Don't forget to support our sponsors, VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. Go subscribe today at vwtrendsmagazine.com. Also, Ross Wolf, high-performance aftermarket quality parts built for enthusiasts by enthusiasts. Make sure you check them out. Ross Wolf, purveyor of speed and style for your air-cooled VW. So check them out at rosswolf.com. Also, if you want to get some shirts printed or some hats or any of that type of stuff, go to ulogoup.com. That's ulogoup.com. And if you're looking to have a car built and you're up in the Pacific Northwest or in the Midwest and you want top quality build, check out Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars on Facebook. Go check them out. Give them a like and a follow. Lanny Hussey Custom Cars on Facebook. So around 1968, Rich Grano heard of a company called Impy that was selling aftermarket high-performance parts for Volkswagens. Being in the foreign car part distribution and dealer business, he decided that he wanted to be a distributor for Impy. So Rich Garano starts Impy of New York. After that, he goes and builds a bug to race the Inch Pincher 3, which ends up in Japan. And a lot of these stories are stories from back when he built the business and things that were coming together at that time. So it's a great story. It's a good podcast and a lot of history that maybe a lot of people didn't know. He's a little older now, and uh, but a great guy, a wealth of information, and really a great podcast. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week. Impy of New York, Rich Garano on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.
Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, you heard uh, last week we spoke with Joe Cali out of New York who did, who wrote the book on the Type 4 Bright Conversion. And we, we talked a little bit about Impy of New York. And on today's show, I've got Richie Guareno from Competition Car Parts of New York. And then he also started Impy of New York. Uh, Richie, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So the way we always start the podcast is how did you get into Volkswagens and what is your VW story? As far as how I got into it, the Volkswagen became very popular and Empey had so much stuff available and there was no real representative in New York. I called Joe Vitone, who was the one who started Empey, Mm-hmm. In 1956, he had a warehouse in the Riverside Airport, mm-hmm. a hangar that he rented. And what year was this that you that you called him, you think? 67. So in 1967, at this time, there's not a lot of rep- – so Impey has really no representation in New York. Right, no real representation. And how big was your, was your facility, the uh, competition car parts? Was it a fairly good size – automotive parts place no it was, it was small and were you a fan of the v of, of the vw beetle i became a fan because you also owned the the inch pincher three is that right yeah i i not only owned it but i i i built it i designed it and uh i outdid empty's inch pincher oh as far as quarter mile time no i i never i never got to uh to beat his time until after I I stopped racing mm-hmm. and I went to the track on Sunday and uh, recorded some incredible times. Was, I was I, I was working I was working on on improving the inch pincher. And when you started with inch pincher, let's step back for a second. So. You you see that VW is really popular and Impy is is kind of getting some recognition and you approach Joe Vitone. How does that whole thing come together where you tell him, Hey, you have any distribution in New York, I'd like to be your guy. How does that come together? Right. I I said, uh, how would you like a distributor in New York? And he said, Great. And then how long were you distributing for him? So you started 1967 until what year were you distributing MP? So then uh, started in 67, toward the end of 67. And then MP was sold to Filter Dynamics, I think somewhere around 1972 or 74? Yeah, 72. Is that when, did Filter Dynamics at that point stop supplying stuff for MP or was it, were, the, were the times changing a little bit? Well, they, were, they weren't supplying anything. Oh, really? They had no experience so, in uh, creating performance things. And what are what, what you when you place your first order with Impy? What's the stuff that you bring in? Like what's what's the type of parts that you start bringing in that you think is going to be good selling parts? Well, extractor exhaust, the uh, Campbell compensator, the front uh, front sway bar. And all sorts of dress-up equipment. And then right when you start doing that, how much do you see business? I mean, is there a huge demand and it's like it, it's moving off the shelves pretty good? Yeah, everything is moving. I, I made a, a mailer 
they sent it to the five boroughs. Just a blanket mailer, or do you reach out to the DMV to get all the VW owners? No, just to, to you know, to all all foreign car wash places. Yeah. All Volkswagen dealers, all repair shops. And so fairly quickly, you see a lot of people take interest in the in, in the MP name and come and start buying parts from right. it? Right. Now, so in in, uh, in January of 1968, mm-hmm. I flew to California to meet Joe and see the whole operation because he had just moved into a big, big building and uh, a work area. It was really nice. Is that when they started rebuilding engines, or was this be, was this before that, where they were just doing the cylinder head remanufacturing? I don't know who was doing it before, mm-hmm. but he was doing it after. So anyway, uh, when I w- when I was in California, I was taken to uh, part of the shop, and there was a dune buggy, probably the last dune buggy. Yeah, the imp. Yeah. What'd you think? Was that the first time you saw it? Yeah, it was the first time I saw it. What was your impression? <laughs> So it was very good. The quality was great, and it it had a a twelve inch reduction in the wheelbase, and the ones on the market had a fourteen inch reduction. That's because Joe patented building a car on a twelve inch wheel, you know, a twelve inch wheelbase. Right. And do you think that that made a that made quite a difference in the handling versus like the Myers Banks, which was the fourteen inch? Uh, oh yeah. And so when you were there, did you bring any of those imps into New York? Okay, uh, I decided to buy a silver one. Yeah. We just a kit, you know the kit. However, after a short while, uh, Joe had this guy Chuck Tatum who died recently or a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And what did Chuck Tatum and do for him? He, he uh, designed the car. Oh, he designed the, the MP imp? Yeah, the final imp. Oh, okay. Which was really nice. So uh, I had to get rid of the silver one. <laughs> yeah. And I had a guy interested in it, and I sold him the kit. And I, I told him he could, he could build it in my new store. Oh, really? Yeah. And where was your store located? On Boston Post Road in the Bronx. So as you at this time, your store is starting to grow, so you need a bigger store with a, a bigger showroom or what? Yeah, I had no showroom in the, uh, the little store. So the little store, yeah. you were just servicing automotive repair shops and stuff like that, and you didn't really need a showroom. And now you start going with Impy, and you need to have a showroom for walk-in customers. Yeah, for all walk-in customers. Uh huh. And so you tell him he can build the he can build it in in the showroom of your new store or in the back. Well, we had a uh, big corner showroom, mm-hmm. and figured. Let him in the back of that build it, and he would buy additional parts and whatever. And how long? So, uh, 
How long what? How long did it take him to build it? Uh, well, he had never built one before. Oh, wow. And uh, let me see. Uh, I don't even know how long it took him to bring it into the store. Were you giving him a hand working on it and stuff? Did you kind of get stuck, stuck helping him out a little bit? Oh, yeah. So so maybe in hindsight it wasn't the best idea or what? <laughs> oh, something like that, yeah. <laughs> and so as you start, what are some of your biggest sellers that you're selling? Like when, when you start distributing for Impy, what do you notice is like you bring in some miscellaneous inventory, right? As a, as a parts guy, you think, okay, everybody wants exhaust and carburetors and and some uh, some power pulleys and some dress-up items. What what was the biggest surprise seller in their catalog that, that surprised you? Well, probably the extractor exhaust. And then I had a, uh, a two-barrel Zenith carburetor on a manifold to go to both ends of the uh, Volkswagen engine. And, and now, did you, you guys just sold parts. You didn't do any installations of anything? No. The only thing that you worked on was your your car, which was the Inch Pincher 3. Right. What year was your car that you chose for the Inch Pincher 3? Was it a 67 or what year was it? No, it was, it was actually, it was supposed to be a 52, a split rear window. It was a 1952? Yeah. But, uh, well, we finally checked the serial number. It was a, an early 53. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it was only made for a month. So what was the engine that you had in that that you raced with? Oh, that changed many times. What was the first engine you did? Did you just hop up a 36 or 40 horse, or what was the first motor you modified? No, the first uh, motor was uh, 1600. And you did all the bolt-on stuff to it? You did everything. Brought it up to two liters. And who did all that work on it? Did you actually build the build the engine and everything? The first engine, yes. And then when you when it went to a two liter, like a bigger motor, who did that work? Well, that's when I I got a little spoiled. I would fly the engine at a, a special crate and uh, sent it to MP's race shop which was run by his son, uh, Daryl Vuitton. Mm -hmm. Did you know Joe Horvath also down there? I believe so. So you would you would put the engine in a special crate and then fly it to Impy in California. Right. And they yeah, would, to be, they would tune it, put it on a dynamo or a rejet, and two uh, 48 IDA Weber carburetors. That's pretty impressive. And and who would build your transmissions for you? Were you just using stock transmissions at the time? Oh, no. Use the Porsche transmission. Oh, really? You would use a Porsche five-speed or four-speed? Four-speed. And they were... With, uh, oh, with different gear ratios for third and fourth. So you have close gear ratios, third and fourth, so it would make a big difference. When you step up from the 1600, do, do you go right from the 1600 to a two-liter? Yeah, and what's the difference in quarter mile times? Do you remember? And then we were riding 1600. And then what was the fastest you ran that car? Well, uh, first we were, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, uh, 
Would that car was that car running in the 14s or 13s or how fast was it? Oh, it was running running in the uh, the low 13s. And how was that received at the drag strip in New York? What drag strip were you running it at? Well, we, we ran uh, English Town, New Jersey, and uh, the the, uh, the big honeymoon place mm-hmm. in northern New York. But it's up, it's up in northern New York, the drag strip that you would take it to. Yeah, it was quite a ride. And what do you remember? What class you were running in? At the time, it was eye gas, and I never ran in any other class. So you ran eye gas against what kind of cars? What What was the first time? The first time you went to the track, where, did you really surprise some people? Oh yeah, <laughs> because uh, it was a weld that should have been made, and the uh, the steering box came off of the chassis. So it went from right lane to the left lane. I mean, that was that was frightening. So the steering box broke loose on your first drag strip, on your first time on the drag strip? Yeah. Wow, that's got to be... Uh, and what, were, what kind of car were you racing? <laughs> what happened to the guy you were racing? I don't know. <laughs> it was, you know, during practice... And he wasn't in a VW. And you go take off down the quarter mile, and your steering box breaks loose, and that car just makes a hard left across the track, huh? Yeah, it just went into just like it made a uh, like a, a lane change. And the guy that you were racing was in front of you or behind you? I don't remember. Did you hit the wall? No. Well, that's good. So you were able to you were able to save it. Oh yeah. Oh, it was it was just like a lane change. It was no big deal. Yeah. And this was in English Town, New Jersey. And do you remember once you finally get, did you get the steering box fixed that day, the steering box, and then run? Oh it again? yeah. And what did you end up uh, running? I don't remember, because we only ran in practice because there's so many things that had to be adjusted on the car. Now, do you remember the best time you ever ran in that car? Yeah. What was the fastest that car ever ran? 1027. 1027? Right. Holy cow, that's quick. And that was in the same eye gas class? I don't think I don't think the uh, the car was in eye gas condition. I think it was in in H gas but I ran I ran two two uh, runs in practice and the first was 1097 and the second was 1027. Now was there any were there any other people like as a parts shop that was there any other drag racers out at the time that you sponsored or did you just you just raced yourself and not a lot of other people racing? Well no no Volkswagen. Really? Yeah, in, in other words, not sponsoring a Volkswagen. So you sponsored other cars. There was just wasn't any VW, other VW people racing, huh? Right. And then you start bringing in the stuff from Impy. Is there anything like how does that your your you start selling sales go up? You're going good for a few years into the early '70s, and then sales start to taper off. Or how do you how does the evolution of the the Impy of New York go? And when do you shut down Impy of New York? Okay, Impy of New York started at, at the request of Joe Vatone, and uh, I said, "Great, I got." 
different billing machine and uh, different telephones. So it was a separate business altogether. Yes and no. It was a division of competition. I mean, all the sales were combined. Mm -hmm. And being a distributor for Impy, it helped your sales pretty good at the time? Oh, yeah. What the problem was that Joe was trying to sell Impy because he didn't tell me about it. Oh, so as you're a distributor, he's trying to market and sell the company to Filter Dynamics, and you don't know that he's in the process of selling the company. Right, and he's in there. He's going to give up all the uh, the engine stuff, the roller crank. And then how do you find out he's selling the company? A salesman came into the store and handed me a thin catalog, and it was with empty stuff in it, but just dress up, mm-hmm. no performance stuff. So it was just so a sales guy walks in one day, hands you a catalog. And it's got Impy product in it, and you're a little confused, saying, "Well, I already sell Impy type thing." Is that what you tell them? Yeah, you know, saying, "You know, where did you get this?" Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah. But uh, it's a sweet revenge for him. Why is that? Because he was trying to sell me American speed equipment, and I didn't deal in American speed equipment. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, Ford, Chevys. So you just dealt in factory replacement parts. You didn't want to deal in performance parts? Or were you mostly foreign car parts? Well, my, my, uh, mainly foreign car parts. How did you start that business? Well, I worked for this place at the original location. And they moved to Auburn just to do a repair shop yeah. for foreign cars. So I had the opportunity to take over location without paying a big increase in rent. So th- this company that you worked for was an automotive repair and parts company, and they just wanted to go into doing repairs? Yeah. And so they said, hey, hey, Richie, we'll sell you the we'll sell you the parts business, or you can take over the parts business? No. How does that go down? They didn't, they didn't want any, any part of it. Really? Yeah. And so you saw it as an opportunity to step in and just start your, start your business right then and there. Right. How'd you get the money to was, do that? Uh, from my father. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I didn't have anything to do, and I had no car of my own. Mm-hmm. It was a couple of months previous. I, I rolled my Jaguar down the hill seven times, and I landed further down the hill than the car did. Holy cow, is it, this was a convertible Jaguar? Yeah. And how old are you at this time? 19. How does a 19-year-old kid afford a Jaguar? <laughs> well, she have an older sister. Yeah. And uh, she had a Jaguar, but it didn't have from wild wheels or anything. And what happened? She, she well, decided she, she doesn't she, want it anymore? Yeah, she sold it. What do you got to pay for a Jaguar? Now, what year and what type of Jaguar was it? It was a 54. A 54 Jag? XK120M. XK120M. And this is a convertible or a coupe? Oh, it's a convertible. You roll a convertible down a hill seven times and live. 
Right. <laughs> and no, no broken bands. You're a lucky guy. Yeah. So you rolled the convertible XK120. You've got this. You you've got this car. You wreck this thing, and then do you rebuild that car, or what do you do with that? No, it's scrap. So that car is totaled. What's your next car that you get after that? I didn't have any money. Yeah. So is that how you, is that how you get the job at the parts place or the the repair shop? No, I'm having a little trouble reliving this whole thing. Yeah, no problem. I was in high school, mm -hmm. and my sister graduated college. She went to NYU, and then uh, she got engaged, and they got married. And shortly into their marriage, my father bought bought them an old Oldsmobile convertible. An Oldsmobile convertible? Yeah. Because she had a two-seat convertible before? Did she have the Jaguar before? Yeah, she had a 52. And then they bought her They bought her the old convertible. And, right. And what does she do? What happens with the... Is that, is that how you end up with the Jaguar? No, the Jaguar is gone already. So how do you get back on your feet and get another car? Oh, well, that, that took time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you end up doing for work back in those days? What what? What were you doing for work back then after you wrecked the car? How what was your plan to get back on your feet? I I didn't know. So uh anyway, she and her husband found this this new Jaguar. It was only two years old and they had no money except they had the olds. So they have to sell the olds and and buy the Jaguar and a, a small car, which is what they did. Yeah. And then how do you end up getting into the, how do you get up, how do you end up in the automotive business to begin with? You're just looking for work and find a job? Yeah. Uh, I used to drive, uh, I used to drive my Jag to this place. Yeah. It was called the, the Pit Stop. The pit stop? Yeah. And what was the pit stop? Just barn, motor car, replacement parts, and accessories. And you're pretty, you're into cars pretty good? Yeah. And ja I mean, Jaguar is one of your favorite cars or what? Yeah. And so you had an affinity for these cars. After you wreck your car, do you end up getting a job at the pit stop? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And then the first, and the first Volkswagen you have is when you start distributing stuff for Impy. Yeah, uh, but I didn't work for the pit stop very long. I had problems with my back, and whatever. I don't know. So how long, when when you're involved in Volkswagens with Impy, and then Impy decides to go away, or Impy sells to Filter Dynamics, and then you find out. All of a sudden, like what you have is the last of your inventory, and there's really nothing else that you're going to get from them. Is that kind of what you find out? Yeah, I, I was I was nowhere. So what do you do? Do you continue selling Volkswagen parts and go to a different distributor at that point? I I kept selling all foreign car parts mm -hmm. and whatever Volkswagen parts I had from Opie. 
And how long how long does uh, does competition car parts in New York stay open for? What when? How long do you have that business? It was uh, until seventy uh, seven. And in seventy seven, you close it or you sell it? No, I I uh, close it. What made you decide to close it? The the business just slowed down, or you just transitioned to a different different business? The regular regular foreign car parts business had a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. So what do you go into after that? I'm trying to think. Do you stay in New York? Yeah. Do you stay in the automotive industry? Yes. But as far as what I did, you have a lot of distributorships. Yeah. Coney Shackham's Zones, Pirelli Tires. So you distributed for all those guys? Yeah. How long do you, and, and who's your big customers buying the Coney's? BMW guys, or is it everybody? Oh, everybody. Nice. So you stay, so you continue just to keep distributing Pirelli's and, and Coney's, stuff like that, but you, you're not kind of open to the public. You just distribute to wholesalers? Right. And how do you find that business to be versus doing what you were doing before? Do you like distributing to the wholesalers versus retail better? Well, when, when I, uh, First started, we had the MG, TD, TC, TF, the MGA, MGB, MGC, the Js, 120, 140, 150, the Austin Healy. And so for those cars, you did, you, you, did, you sold parts and stuff for those cars? Oh, yeah. And those were pretty popular in New York back then. Right. Would you say those were more popular than Volkswagens? Oh, yeah. Really? But the Volkswagen came on like gangbusters. Now, what do you remember the most about that time during during owning uh, MP of New York? I had so much, so much going on. The dune buggies. How many, how many dune buggies did you sell through there, do you think? Well, I don't remember. And I had a bunch left over when MP shut down you had a lot of you had a few extra dune buggy a few extra MP imps not sold right how'd you get rid of those time yeah you just had them sitting there until somebody wanted to because i mean the the fiberglass car thing kind of came and went pretty quick right i mean it was from like the late 60s to the to the mid 70s and then it kind of just stopped right right and what if you do you remember what you would pay for an MP imp body I mean, were the margins good on it back then? Well, I don't remember the markup. Mm-hmm. It wasn't tremendous. And I had to pay. Everyone had to pay the shipping from California. We had this guy with uh, a flatbed 18-wheeler delivering bodies in their uh, cardboard and, and wood crates. And the same with all the equipment that came with it. They had a regular, regular size crates. So they bring that 18-wheeler all the way from Riverside up to you, and it added yeah. quite a bit of money onto the parts for shipping. What it would, I mean, it was a couple, it was a thousand bucks or so to ship across the country. I don't remember. But pretty, uh, pretty pricey. That added a lot to the cost. But I mean, who else they gonna buy it for, right? Oh yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time. And as far as uh, some of the parts that you remember, when when Impy stopped, 
uh, supplying you, did you have a pretty good inventory still of Impy stuff? Pretty good. And at that time, with with Volkswagen changing from the Beetle to the Super Beetle, obviously not a lot of those parts fit people's new bugs. I mean, would it normally be people would go buy a new 1968, bring it in, and buy all the goodies? Is that what they would do? Yeah. And then after that, after they come up with the Super Beetle, does that impact sales quite a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Volkswagen killed their own market. With the sewer And what did you do with respect to, because besides carrying Impy, I'm assuming you carried like factory Bosch and did you carry any VW products like from VW of America or no? Not inventory, no. We get people, you know, parts from Volkswagen dealers. But you didn't, you didn't stock any of that stuff? No. Who else did you, did you distribute from anybody else? Yeah, general importers of uh, imported car parts hmm. and a complete engine suspension. Yeah. Who were the big VW shops at that time uh, back in New York? Shop? Yeah, like who were the big, were there any big VW places that were building engines or doing any kind of high performance <laughs> modifications? Like somebody came in and bought all the stuff and said, I can't put it on. Who do you send me to to put it on? That I don't remember. So what ends up happening with the Inch Pincher 3? I had it at Darrell's shop. In California? Yeah. Why was it there? I was there. Oh, you were there? Yeah. And this is after they kind of shut down their, their stuff, or this is before? It was after. So after they sell Impy, you you go down to see them down in Riverside? No, I was in... I was in North Hollywood. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm also in the, in the uh, motion picture business. You are? Yes. What what kind of motion picture stuff were you doing? Well, I'm a writer. Are you? Yes. Have you written anything that I might know? Uh, probably not. Yeah. I did a lot of rewrites. How did you get into doing that? Well, I started when I was 14. Yeah. Started out in photography, and then when I was 15, I got into motion pictures, but I didn't have any contacts. And what do you end up doing? How do you make your contact? Like my contract? Yeah, how do you make contacts when you get to, you, you go to, you go to L.A. to make contacts? Oh, yeah. And? What's the first thing you end up doing? Giving up. <laughs> so do you end up going? You end up going back to New York. Yeah. How much time did you give it in L.A.? Uh, not much. I was, I was very young. Well, very cool. So when you're down there, the Inch Pincher Three ends up at Daryl's shop, and right. And what's the, and the what's the story and there? The, okay, then uh, Daryl Daryl went into business. With the race shop, they were doing the uh, the new beetle, the water cooled, and he wasn't really thrilled with that. So then he decided that he would go back into the air cooled. And all this time, he had my car in his shop, and why he didn't buy it. So you're saying he? You don't know why he didn't buy it? Right. And he didn't, he didn't know. So when he, so you, I, I don't, I'm confused as to how the car ends up back in Los Angeles from New York. Oh, uh, I brought it to Los Angeles. I had a custom built trailer for it. So you towed it all the way out there to LA? Yeah, I, I personally didn't. 
So you took it to Daryl for what reason? To have him go through the car? You wanted to sell it or what? Yeah, to help me sell it. And then who ends up buying it? I don't know. There were a few owners. And then finally, this guy from Japan, the uh, founder and owner of Flat 4, Mr. Komori, so Komori ends up owning the Inch Pincher 3 at last. And and that, right. and that car ran um, at the fastest. That car ran 1027s in the quarter mile with a two-liter motor with uh, 48s. Or was there any kind of nitrous on it or was it all motor? No, it was all motor. Nice. Well, that's, that's a respectable time and really fast. And after you got oh, out of the, yeah. after you got out of the Volkswagen thing, did you do any other kind of car racing at all? Yeah, just uh, with with my Jaguar illegally, of course. Right. Because I was I was still a teenager. Well, man, um, anything else in regards to the history of Impy that we might uh, Impy of New York that we may anything notable that we didn't discuss that you think we should discuss? I don't know. I'll have to do some thinking. So did you ever try to get the dealerships in New York and New Jersey to sell MP products? Oh, definitely. So were they pretty receptive to selling add-on MP stuff to the Volkswagens? Yeah, a lot of them were. See, the problem was I had I had a... Uh, a JTV, which was a six a sixty nine bug with everything on it. So was this built at at Econo Motors in Riverside? No. Where was that done? In New York. At the dealership? No. So a GTV package would be the package that you would end up buying. It was like a stage three, right? The graphics, the wheels, the extractor, the carburetor dress up kit. Is that yeah, right? You know, right. But you know, there was so much more like you could have done or not done so you had a gtv and what and that was your personal car yes and how did you like that thing oh it's great yeah pretty fast at the time yes i had a uh an almost inch pincher engine with close ratio gears third and fourth that's when uh on the New York highways yeah. still had t- tolls. I would come up against the Porsche, yeah, and uh, and then when we were ready to take off, we would go, and I I just left them in the dust. So that was kind of the the big surpriser was the I mean it was fun to have a nice Volkswagen like that that would really surprise them when it came to. Uh, when it came to street, like, kind of like street racing, huh? Yeah, right. And so your GTV that you had was fully outfitted. Did it have the whole interior, all the wood grain dash, all that stuff? Oh yeah. What ended up hap- What ended up happening with that car? I sold it to uh, one of my employees without the engine. And what do you sell something like that for back in the day? Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah. What color? What color was it? Dark blue. So dark blue 69 GTV, huh? Yeah. That's real cool. With uh, with a sunroof. Oh, wow. And when I was living in Connecticut, I took my sons out, and we uh, we went out 
to buy a Christmas tree. And I only found one that I liked, but it was tall. So I opened the uh, the sunroof, yeah. put it in, put the tree in, and we get to, and we get to my house, and I take it out. My neighbor was there, a level, a level above where I was. Yeah. And he thought I was holding the tree up. Yeah. <laughs> but it was on the ground. So the tree was sticking up through the uh, through the old uh, sunroof, huh? Well, this is after I removed it from the big dub. Mm-hmm. It was on the ground. I think the tree was 18 feet high. Oh, wow. Get out of here. And I only had a nine-foot ceiling. I had to cut off from both ends. <laughs> and I, I loved it. Well, Richie, I appreciate you taking some time to talk. Okay, great. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Wanted to give a shout out to some of the guys that have been supporting the podcast. Michael Gibbs out of uh, East Northport, New York. Appreciate him supporting the podcast. Duffy O'Rourke out of Aurora, Colorado. And also Chad Hatfield out of Kingman, Arizona. He's the guy that bought El Gato. So appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and pick up some merch. I'm going to have some, I'm having some sweatshirts made up with some new logos. I just got my new shirt design for this year's one crazy weekend. So those flyers will be printed up pretty soon here and looking forward to, uh, to getting that out to you guys. But we got more podcasts coming up. Lots more history. We've got an auto house history coming up for you guys from uh, the owner and founder of auto house. So should be good listening. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, like I said, if you got any questions or comments or topics or subjects you want me to cover, shoot me an email at bill at let's talk dubs. We'll be doing a reader emails review coming up here shortly. So any questions, concerns, or anything you guys got like that topics you want me to talk about or some questions you have for me, feel free to email those to me at bill at let's talk dubs.com until next week, guys later. Probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.